Welcome to the clubhouse with Patrick Folks on ABC Grandstand Digital. Hello and welcome to the clubhouse. Some breaking news in terms of the Wallabies coaching position. We are now hearing through Fairfax and News Limited papers that it is now Ewan McKenzie who is the coach of the Wallabies and uh, that Robbie Deans is no longer required in terms of filling out the remaining six months of his contract. But just uh, reportedly at this stage that any uh, official confirmation from the ARU uh, for the ABC is that uh, Robbie Deans is out and Ewan McKenzie is the new coach of the Wallabies. If you want the latest on that, just go to abc.net.au slash grandstand as the story unfolds. In other news, it's uh, James O'Connor is having a very rough weekend because it's uh, been announced that he will no longer have a contract with the Melbourne Rebels. We've since heard from Waratah coach Michael Checker that the Waratahs are not interested in the services of James O'Connor either, citing the game style is just a bit different to what the Tars are using at the moment and salary cap problems as well in terms of being able to fit James into the squad. So his future is certainly in limbo, but apparently the Western Force are still open to discussion with their former star. And if you want the latest on that, just go to abc.net.au slash grandstand, hit the rugby tab, and all the latest stories are there. I'm Patrick Folks. Uh, Welcome to the clubhouse. This is the show where we talk rugby for the next half hour, and we've got a very packed show for you today. We're going to have a chat with uh, Melbourne Rebels CEO Rob Clark. I talked to them just before the announcement that uh, Tony McGahn from the Wallabies would be taking over as head coach there from August the 1st. We'll have it. I'll play that chat in for you, and you can make of that what you will. And we'll also talk to him about uh, James O'Connor as well. Uh, as of the time this program went to air, there still was no word on the future of Robbie Deans. Uh, we know that he had discussions with uh, the ARU hierarchy earlier, but uh, there's no word officially yet on his future. Again, check out the Grandstand webpage, uh, website for all the latest news in rugby. We're also going to have a chat today with Ross Reynolds, our Grandstand rugby commentator and uh, former Wallaby himself about that loss to the British and Irish Lions on Saturday in that third test. We'll have a bit of a post-mortem on that. And uh, we're also going to have our regular chats with Luke Pentony and get the latest from Queensland, the Queensland Reds and Queensland Premier Rugby, and Natalie Unidis from ABC TV Sport here in Sydney is going to join me to have a chat about the Shoot Shield competition. So plenty of action in the clubhouse today. Stay with me. On ABC Grandstand Digital, the clubhouse. The clubhouse. With Patrick Folks. Let's just run through the scores from the Super Rugby quickly over the weekend. The Crusaders, 43, defeated the Chiefs, 15. The Hurricanes, 44, defeated the Highlanders, 49. The Cheetahs, 34, defeated the Blues, 13. 
And the Bulls 20 defeated the Sharks 19. Just looking at the ladder here for the Super Rugby competition, the Bulls are on top on 63 points. The Chiefs are on 61 and the Brumbies are on 59. Rounding out the rest of the top six, it's the Crusaders on 56 points, the Reds on 54 and the Cheetahs on 50, securing their place in the top six. The Waratahs take on the Reds in the Australian match of the round this Saturday and you can catch that call on grandstand. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I managed to catch up with Rob Clark, the CEO of the Melbourne Rebels, earlier today. And uh, obviously, a lot can change in sport in 24 hours because by the time I recorded the interview, uh, there had been no word on who was going to be the Melbourne Rebels coach. Since then, we do know that it is Tony McGahn from the Wallabies. But I started off by asking Rob about why they had decided to let James O'Connor go. Oh, this isn't a decision that's taken lightly, obviously. A player of James's. Uh, capability and his standing in the game uh, has given us cause for uh, internal discussion for quite a period of time and uh, on balance looking at uh, the ability of James well he's been here to uh, turn out for us he's had some injury issues uh, as well as some investment in other areas we wish to make we just don't believe that uh, Having James as part of our roster is in the best interest of the club. When was the decision officially made, though? Oh, it's been discussed now for a number of weeks, so this isn't something we've rushed to. Uh, the decision obviously was made uh, late last week, but uh, it has been discussed for a long time. Did the incident with um, Kurtley Beale and staying out to 4am in the morning in the wake of a test match, did that play a part in the Rebels' decision? Uh, we take every aspect, both on-field and off-field, into account. And uh, that is all weighed up uh, before a decision like this is taken. Uh, it's being reported in Fairfax that the Rebels are now really trying to focus their attention on Kurtley Beale. Is this true? And if so, how confident are you they'll be able to retain Kurtley, who looked like he uh, was about to go to the Waratahs? The decision on James has got nothing to do with our position on Kurtley. Never has and won't be. Uh, James was an individual case and that decision was made. Kirtley obviously remains a player for the Rebels and somebody that we've been in ongoing talks with uh, for a considerable period of time, but it has nothing to do with our decision on James. It's a pretty interesting landscape in the Australian rugby community at the moment, Rob. There's a couple of uh, coaches that could be up in the air. If the ARU decides uh, not to offer a contract to Robbie Deans or at least continue with him, would the Rebels be interested in Robbie Deans' services? Oh, look, yes, there's plenty of speculation about coaches right now and we've been undertaking our own process that we're very happy with. It's been very thorough and we'll be making an announcement shortly on that. So there is possibility for changes at the Melbourne Rebels? Uh, quite likely. Well, Rob, uh, thank you very much for joining me in the clubhouse and uh, hopefully we'll uh, have some more information on that soon. Thanks for joining me. Okay, my pleasure. And as you can see there, things change quickly in sport. You've got to be quick. Um, but uh, that's definitely the latest news. Tony McGahn is now coaching the Melbourne Rebels as of August the 1st, and you just heard the words there of Melbourne Rebels CEO Rob Clark. Coming up next, though, we're going to catch up with Ross Reynolds and review the Wallabies' performance against the British and Irish Lions. Stay with me in the clubhouse. On ABC Grandstand Digital, the clubhouse. The clubhouse. With Patrick Folks. Well, the dream became a nightmare at Sydney Olympic Park for the Wallabies and their fans alike as Australia succumbed to the British and Irish Lions 41-16. to So, where did it all go wrong for the Wallabies and 
was it the knock on from the kickoff? Was it our scrum? Or was it losing Israel Folau so early on in the game? And what does this mean for Australian rugby, particularly with the Robbie Deans issue? To find out more, we're joined by a former Wallaby and our grandstand expert, Ross Reynolds, who joins us in the clubhouse. Ross, good evening to you. Just in big news breaking today that the ARU have decided to part ways with Robbie Deans and give the position to Ewan McKenzie. We know he's got an excellent record against the Kiwis. Is this the, the jolt of life Australian rugby needed? Well, I think having lost by such a substantial margin on Saturday night, they needed to do something. The players will be now looking into the future and just going, well, Robbie's not here for long. So I think smart decision to make the change now. I'll give you and Mackenzie a bit of time to get ready. Uh, just four or five weeks till uh, they play the All Blacks. It's not a an easy build-up for uh, Ewan. But, look, he's got a good track record against New Zealand sides. He's played against them a lot in his uh, playing days. And he's carried on that good form as a coach. So he knows how to upset the New Zealand psyche and how to get in their face. So, look, I think uh, he's just what Australian rugby needs. You need a new face, new ideas and an aggressive approach. Are you still heartbroken from the effort and the result on uh, Saturday night? Uh, Yes, absolutely destroyed. uh, Absolutely shattered mess on Saturday night and uh, struggling to come to terms with what happened and the comprehension of uh, how, how how big it was, because uh, first two tests had been decided by you know cumulative uh, total of three points, and all of a sudden uh, they win 41-16, so fairly comprehensive scoreline. So I didn't see that coming at all. The word from the Lions camp during the week was that the Wallabies had played their grand final a week early, um, and uh, the big reference was James Hall breaking down and how the Wallabies were so pumped to get that win. Do you th- and w- and we uh, I think as the Australian media you know scoffed at that and thought no no th- this would be good but it, it seems that there's an argument to say that the Wallabies were a bit tight because in that back twenty it, the, there were a, a few wayward soldiers. Well, I think the backward twenty was a product of the uh, Alexander Sinbinning, which I said at the time was uh, a very poor decision, and I think the fact that they had to work so hard to defend in that ten minutes that the back end they just had no gas in the legs at all so. Was that a combination of not going to the bench soon enough? Um, I, I think it was a combination of the two. They should have uh, got fresh legs on there with 60 gone and uh, really emptied the bench because we're, we're really struggling in that back 20. As the, the score indicated, they scored three tries. Yeah, the refereeing was certainly an issue that you've mentioned there, Ross, and was something that was mentioned during the grandstand call on Saturday evening. Uh, Romain uh, Potois, uh, the French referee um, who was in charge of the match, he did make some interesting decisions, uh, didn't he? Obviously, that Ben Alexander was one, but the Wallabies really struggled to get it into his favour. They lost the uh, the referee pretty early, and uh, you know that's a big issue in the game. Yes, there was uh, the scrum was under pressure, but I didn't think it deserved to uh, get a sin binning because that basically sealed the Australians' fate at uh, that stage. I think that that penalty kick went to 19 to three, and uh, you know they really were in total domination at that time. And uh, the referee, as I called it on Saturday night, had too big a influence in the outcome of the game. Yeah, it was uh, certainly one of the factors that uh, contributed there to the Wallabies' demise. James O'Connor at number 10, though, and that's, that's been an interesting one because he's having a fairly rough weekend, which we'll, we'll come to in a, in a second in terms of his Rebels' future. But uh, uh, he, he did manage to score that try just uh, on the cusp of half-time, but there obviously was some criticism about him during the match. Well, n- narrowing it, uh, nailing it down for the clubhouse listeners now, what did you think of James O'Connor in the third test? 
Well, we were hoping that his combination with Lilafana was getting smoother as uh, Lilafana didn't play much game time in the first and played all of the second. And uh, it looked at the back end of the second when he helped uh, put Adam Ashley Cooper over by going hard to the line that it looked that role at 10 was becoming more cohesive and more dangerous to the Lions defence. But uh, he really didn't ask a lot of questions of the Lions defence and uh, there's, uh, you know, there's evidence there that uh, maybe that wasn't the right choice. He's certainly not fluid at 10, but you know, it was a bold decision to play him at 10 when uh, he's learning his trade against one of the best teams in the world. So, uh, you know, there's strong argument there that uh, that certainly didn't work. And obviously, we've been, as we announced earlier on in the show, James O'Connor no longer has a home at the Melbourne Rebels. They've decided not to offer him a contract um, from now on, which is a, a really just a rough weekend for James. You're in the clubhouse. I'm talking to Ross Reynolds, our grandstand rugby expert and a former Wallaby himself. Just on the James O'Connor issue, Ross, did, were you t- taken aback or surprised by the Rebels' decision not to offer uh, one of the three amigos and one of their star players another contract? Well, I'm not surprised because uh, for me, I've just been very uh, upset as a former coach that uh, he perceives himself to be above the team by being out at 4am with with Kirtley Beale. Now, to me, that's inexcusable. You know, your body clock's just not in in sync for a big week. You know, it's a Tuesday night of a uh, Saturday test, so, you know, you're five nights out and there you are, you know, straining your body at 4am. Yes, not on drinking, but still, you've got to get your regular sleep patterns. You know, you've got to prepare for a test seven nights out and uh, get into sync of getting to bed early and getting a good night's sleep and recharging the body ready for the next day's training. So I think that the Rebels have finally had enough and they proved this year that they can win without him. And that gave them an enormous amount of confidence that we don't really need uh, one of the three amigos to, to win big games. So I think they just said, well, enough of the high-maintenance uh, James O'Connor. We'll, we'll uh, cut our ties here and now. Just going back to the Wallabies there, Ross, I got a bit distracted because I think it's it's nice to not think about that game. But losing Israel Folau pretty early on to that hamstring strain, the Wallabies really uh, would have struggled without their star back. And you saw some of the, the their faces drop once you saw Izzy made his way to the, the sideline. Do you think he's making such a big impact in the Wallabies already that um, they needed him to get the win? Oh, there's no doubt he's been outstanding, and particularly at the back end of the, the second test when they needed to try and win the game, who was O'Connor trying to uh, put in the pocket behind him was Israel Folau off his wing to try and attract uh, the, the attention of all the Lions' defence, and uh, he did make a couple of nice breaks up the midfield when there was absolutely no room. So the skill and power of Folau has uh, been to see, and you know, two tries in the first test was just extraordinary. So... He was sorely missed because they actually ran a, uh, a play where they went from the right-hand side over to the left-hand side and then chip-kicked across to where Folau would have been, but he he just left the field. And they had uh, Jesse Mogg and Tamani, and both of them, um, you know, not really known leapers in the air, and they've got, I think they'd just forgotten that Folau had left the field. <laughs> well, that's always going to be a crimp in one's game plan if you get the star player is off. Um, but you mentioned Jesse Mogg there. He came on and, and impressed. He made a few interesting breaks, didn't he? Well, I think uh, they, they had to accommodate him on the left wing because he's left-footed and move uh, Tamani to the right. So that, you know, meant 
you you lose one guy, but you've made two changes, so it really disrupts your your, your patterns of play. But uh, he did very well. He uh, came off a Curtly Beal break where Curtly pinned his ears and had to go up the middle and did a nice little step and then switched with Smog and Mog Bar for an ankle tap from Parling. He could have well scored because he's so quick and you just don't coach that speed. He tore them apart and uh, we were hoping that he would do that again, but he really didn't get another chance to break the line. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly was uh, nice to see a few sparks there and hopefully a, bit of a bright future for Jesse Mogg in the green and gold. I guess now, as we um, we have to wait 12 years to take on the Lions again, Ross, and I know you're still hurting, and I saw the, the pain etched in your face uh, Saturday night after the, the end of the commentary. What now, really, for the uh, the, the Wallabies team itself? Because we've got to um, get it, get get the team off the floor and get ready for the rugby championship. Well, we thought we were building nicely with momentum and I honestly thought Australia were favoured to win that test and uh, thought they'd win by, you know, 10 points. So to to lose by 25 was just a huge, uh, you know, soul-destroying. So they've now got to really regroup and restart and uh, whether that's with changing a coach, there's a lot of talk about that. How do you get the uh, the players off the canvas? Because, uh, you know, they were playing well and they were, you know, certainly competing with the the Lions, but basically on Saturday night the scrum fell apart and it had been so good and actually probably had the points decision in the first two tests to all of a sudden be on roller skates, according to the referee. It certainly is an interesting time for Australian rugby and we're going to be staying across it in the clubhouse. Ross Reynolds, our grandstand expert commentator, thank you very much for joining us and we'll be catching you again very soon because it's the Waratahs against the Reds this Saturday as we've got to get our heads back into the Super Rugby format. The Waratahs season is now over but um, there's still plenty of pride to play for against the Queenslanders. Ross, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure, Patrick. On ABC Grandstand Digital... The Clubhouse. The Clubhouse. With Patrick Folks. A colleague of mine still feeling the pain this morning is Grandstand's Luke Pentony, and he joins you on the line now to talk about all things Queensland Reds and, of course, Queensland Premier Rugby. Luke, uh, I'm still in a bit of pain. How are you feeling? we wait 12 years. We've got to wait 12 years till we have the chance to beat the Lions again. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Patrick, and a lot of Australian rugby fans. That uh, is just a very down moment uh, at present, having lost the, the Lions, but we can always look forward to the end of the Super Rugby and, of course, Rugby Championship coming out. So you've got to try and look on me at the bright side of life. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I'm a relatively mature person. I could cope, could cope with us losing, but I think the magnitude <laughs> of the points running away at the end is just, that's that's what really is the dagger in the heart for Australian rugby, I think. Yeah, it was a sold into the wounds mm. to lose by that margin, but congratulations to the Lions. They deserve their series victory and, of course... They'll take on the All Blacks in four years' time, so see how they fare across the ditch. Oh, very noble of you, Luke. <laughs> well, very well put. Um, now let's look. Fortunately, we have a semi, I guess, domestic competition. We can now focus on again with the Super Rugby. By saying semi-domestic, across three countries and six different time zones, we've got the Reds and the Waratahs this week. So I'm surprised you took the call, Luke. And uh, I'm trying to find some belief again, and I believe maybe the Tars could uh, topple the Reds. But uh, it's going to be interesting clash at uh, the Sydney Olympic Park again this Saturday. It will be, and of course the Reds haven't played for four weeks. Their last appearance was against the Lions early last month. A few of their players that weren't involved with the Wallabies have been playing Premier Rugby of late, so at least they've got some match fitness 
under their belts. You will have a concern, I'll probably have it both sides, obviously, that their Wallabies contingent are going to be coming off these three tough tests against the Lions, and fatigue may be an issue, but of course it may be a wanted distraction for the players to put the Lions series behind them. But uh, the Reds will be back in training this week, probably a restricted training load for their Wallabies contingent. Of course, they won't have Digby Iwani for the uh, Waratahs Classical. The Waratahs won't have Israel Folau at this stage. So a few big outs for both sides. But look, Queensland, they won in their last start in Sydney last year. They're always going to be confident against the Waratahs. They have had the wood the last few matches. And I do feel the Reds should get over the line. Really? You feel that? That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, also, also, it's important. There's so much at stake for the Reds too, because True. while they do have a wildcard berth sewn up, it's a matter of where they finish inside the uh, where they finish with the, in the top six to be able to possibly secure a home final. Because they now the Crusaders have moved ahead after that impressive victory over the Chiefs on Friday night. So there's still plenty of, for the Reds to play for, despite the fact they already have a playoff berth sewn up. So where they end up in the finals is still remains is still unseen. It's certainly going to be an interesting clash, and we will certainly be reviewing that clash next week in the clubhouse. But interesting news is that Tatafu Pilota now rates himself at about 50% at being able to play against the Reds, and I'm sure he'll be keen to play so he can get back into the Wallabies' colours sooner rather than later. Now, let's just uh, look at Queensland Premier Rugby, Luke, and uh, a, a very close match, incredibly close. It was a draw between uh, East and the University of Queensland. Can you break that one down for us? Yeah, it uh, probably be... A, you could describe it as a, as a costly result at this stage in terms of the ladder. We'll talk about the ladder a bit later, but East 20... Uni 20. Uni had led 14-11 at half time, but East were able to come back in the second half and level it all up for East. Jared Butler scored a try, the Reds back rower, and for Uni, Mike Harris was prominent with a try, two conversions and two penalty goals. So both sides were desperate to get a victory, even though they are in finals contention. But uh, in light of other results, Having a draw was not the desired result. Just looking at some of those other matches, GPS easily beat West 46-6 to pick up a bonus point. That was at Sylvan Road. Seven tries, two Jeeps, and that included a double to Radiki Samo. So they consolidate their spot inside the top four. Brothers still leading the competition. 11 tries they poured on against Gold Coast, winning 69 15. Naturally, it was a bonus point victory. Dom Shipley scoring two tries for Brothers. Uh, another important win for the Brethren. South, they've managed six wins in a row. This has been an outstanding season so far for Michael Broad and his team. They beat North 54-33. Sorry, I'll repeat that score. 54-33 at Hugh Courtney Oval. Chris Fiawise or Teal was amongst the try scorer. Try scorers and Don Lapierre scored four tries for the Magpies, who also had Bo Robinson, the Reds back row, playing for him. So South's really running high in confidence at the moment. Sunnybank, they also picked up a bonus point victory. They easily accounted for Sunshine Coast 43-6 at Sunnybank. Now, just a player I wanted to make mention of Sunnybank, their halfback Ben Mean, those who were watching the 
under-20 world championships would have been impressed by his performances for Australia at halfback. He's currently the number nine for Sunny, making a name to look out for, not just for Reds fans, but for all Australian rugby fans. Now, looking at the ladder, brothers, as we said, they stay on top there on 55 points. GPS second on 54 points. A bit of a logjam starting to come up behind the top two. We've got South now on in third place on 46 points with a 9-4 record. East on 44 points, round out the top four, but they're just ahead of Uni, who are fifth on 44 points. And then we've got Sunnybank on 42 points. Bit of a gap back to West in seventh on 26, and then North on 15, Gold Coast 10, and Sunshine Coast on five. So some intriguing matches coming up, Patrick, in round 14. Probably the pick of the bunch, Brothers taking on South at Jack Ross, and East taking on Sunnybank at David Wilson, two important clashes that could beside some places in the top four. Also, Jeeps will be taking on North. Sunshine Coast will meet Gold Coast and Uni will host West. Certainly going to be some interesting clashes in Queensland Premier Premier Rugby and also the Reds, well, the Waratahs and the Reds at Sydney Olympic Park this Saturday. You can catch that call on Grandstand and no doubt Luke and I will be chatting uh, a lot about that one next week, depending on which way the result goes. <laughs> Might be very quick if Queensland win. <laughs> Luke, thank you very much for joining me in the clubhouse again and just uh, start counting 12 years until we get to hit the Lions again. <laughs> It's a long time away. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Luke. On ABC Grandstand Digital, The Clubhouse. The Clubhouse. With Patrick Folks. And that was Luke Pentony joining us in The Clubhouse and what's been a very packed edition of the show today. I'm Patrick Folks here with you. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we're about to talk uh, Shoot Shield, but if you want to uh, catch this show, obviously you can do so on iTunes because we've had a fairly packed edition. We talked to Rob Clark from the Melbourne Rebels, and we also looked at the Wallabies' loss to the Lions. But it's time now to talk Shoot Shield with ABC TV sport reporter Natalie Unidis. Hello, Nat- Natalie Unidis. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Pat. How are you? Look, I'm getting tongue-tied, but I'm good. And it was a shortened round of Shoot Shield this weekend because of the test here in Sydney. Um, but it was uh, not without its uh, its action because we had two very, very close games. And the game you were at, the uh, Eastwood Manly game, 26-all. Yeah. It was the first, Talk us through it. Well, it was the first draw for the season, 26-all, like you say. Uh, now, the last time these two sides met, Eastwood got the better of the Marlins, 43-15. to So Manly were really the underdogs going in this time. But I tell you what, it was a real seesawing affair and Manly led early. Their intensity was incredible at the start. It was really one of those situations where one team just wants it more. And well, that's how it felt in the first half. But Eastwood came back and we were tied up at halftime. And then Eastwood really. Was it a game of two halves? <laughs> exactly. Classic I cliche. I didn't want to use that term. But... It is the show coming up next with Shannon Byrne, the two halves you can catch for all your rugby league action. But the Eastwood game definitely came of two halves as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Eastwood dominated the second half completely. And then, this is where it gets interesting, 40 seconds to go, Harry Burgell and crosses to even the scores. Marshall Milroy had a chance to give the Marlins an unlikely victory from a pretty difficult angle, but he didn't convert. So 26-all was the end score, and it's the exact double from halftime where it was 13-all. 
<laughs> well, that's, at least it's going up in evens. Uh, and uh, Gordon uh, just managed to get home against Northern Suburbs. An impressive win from them, 32-31. to 31. And in the other game, Natalie, uh, West Harbour 67 really punished Parramatta. Yeah, absolutely. West Harbour ran in 11 tries to win 67-31 to 31 over Parramatta. I feel like they're really building something here, Patrick, this season, West Harbour. Well... The Pirates, you know, you've got to love the Pirates. Um, you never know what will happen at the end of the season. Uh, and now Eastwood are leading the ladder, and let's just quickly go through that, Natalie. They're on 53 points, but what are the other uh, positions? Yeah, so Eastwood are out on top seven points, clear of Sydney Uni, who will have a chance to close the gap this week because they're playing next week because of the split round. West Harbour jump up to third. Southern Districts are in fourth, but keep in mind the Rebels, same situation. They've got a game in hand. Manly, Eastern Suburbs, North and Randwick round out that top four, top eight, sorry. Now, let's look to next week with ABC TV on in, in New South Wales and in Sydney. You can catch that on uh, ABC One at 3 p.m., the Shoot Shield, but uh, you can always catch it on iView as well. But this weekend, we've got the, we've got the back to... We're going back in time. Uh, 2005, the, the Rats played Sydney Uni in the grand final and won 29-23. And this weekend, there's two sides are meeting again. They have met before, but we're, we're really focusing on that 2005 final this week, are we? Well, we are because uh, Sydney Uni, the overwhelming favourites this time. They were the overwhelming favourites that time around as well. So, I mean, it was just amazing scenes from that game. Do you know how many people went to that game, Patrick? I don't. I don't. <laughs> 10,000 people went to that game. It really? Was, it was amazing. And in the end, the Rats got over the line, like you say, 29 to 23. So Yeah, I remember the game. I didn't go, but I do remember it. But I, I can't remember how many were there. But thank you for putting me on the spot like that. No problem. Um, if you want to catch that game this Saturday, you can. It just uh, If you're in New South Wales, head to ABC One, or you can catch it on iView. And if you want any updates on the Shoot Shield, go to the ABC Shoot Shield on Facebook. Natalie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Pat. And that's all the time we have had in the clubhouse today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to catch this show again, you can. Just go to abc.net.au slash grandstand and follow the links to the podcast page where the clubhouse is or we're on iTunes. So you can download us to your mobile device and listen to us at your leisure. Until next week, though, wherever you play the game, enjoy your rugby.